Well, as you have a seat, I just want to encourage you just to bow with me. And I want to spend just a moment uh, in prayer. And, and the reality is, I think a lot of times in the chaos of, of the week, in the uh, busyness of what we face, that uh, when it comes to hearing God's still small voice, I think a lot of times we um, don't because we're drowning in politics, we're drowning in news, we're drowning in sports, it may be kids activities and everything else. So I just want to encourage you to bow with me and I'm going to direct you to pray uh, for a number of things as we do bow. So I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. Um, and as you approach, we're not going to, you don't have to pray out loud. If you feel led to pray out loud, I would encourage you to do this. Um, but I also want you to understand that you can pray right where you're at and God will hear you. But I want you to pray right now that you would just have God remove any and all distractions from your life right now, that you wouldn't focus on lunch, you wouldn't focus on the Chiefs game, you wouldn't focus on anything else, but you would say, God, would you speak to me? I'm desperate to hear from you. I want to hear your voice. I want you to speak to me through the power of your word. Would you just pray that where you're at right now? And I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna pray silently for us as well. Well, Lord, I pray that you would open our ears, that we would hear what you have to say, that our hearts would be ready to accept your truth, that God, in the midst of the distractions of life, that we would remove those distractions and we would focus on you. God, we know that oftentimes we miss the still small voice because we have to be talking, we have to be listening to music or the radio, we have to watch TV or different things like that, and we sometimes miss out. And so, God, I pray just in the moments of silence over the next few brief moments that you would be clear to us, that you would speak with clarity, that your spirit would comfort those who are in need of comfort, that you would correct us where we need correction because we are walking in sin, that you would strengthen us because maybe we feel weak right now because of the things we are going through day in and day out. Maybe there's some conflict. Maybe there's some insecurity. Maybe there's some questioning on the future. Maybe there's financial struggles. But God, would you remove those thoughts from us right now? And as you pray, I just wanna encourage you right now to pray right now for somebody that you don't know, somebody that you know, sorry, that does not know who Jesus is. That person, when I said that, just came to your mind right away, came to your heart, that you would pray for them, that you'd pray for their salvation, that you would pray for the opportunity for you to speak words of truth, that you would be a light in a dark world to them. Would you just pray for them right now? Well, God, we don't know all the names of the individuals that you have placed here. I don't know all the names of the individuals you've placed on the people's hearts here. But God, I know you know them. I know they are of value. They are significant because you created them. And it says that you created them in your image. But maybe they're walking in sin right now. They're, they're trapped by greed. Maybe they're trapped by 
uh, addictions and things that they've placed as a primary thing in their life. And God, they need, they are in desperate need of salvation and hope. And so God, I pray that you would use us in a great way, that we would have broken hearts for those who are far from you, that we would understand that the chaos and the hatred, the violence and the, 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 the rejection of authority that's going on in the world is something that you said would happen. As we get further and further away from the truth of the gospels, we look more to man than anybody else. God, we knew or we know it's gonna happen because you said it would. But God, I pray specifically for those people that we have relationships with. May we be bold to speak the truth in love. May we understand where they come from because we were once in a place where they are. But God, may we lovingly serve them. May we stand on the truth of the word. And God, would you use us in a great way to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And finally, here's what I wanna ask you to pray for, is that you would pray for our church. That you pray specifically that we would be a lighthouse in a dark world, that we would be a city on a hill, that we would not be hidden, but we would walk with grace and mercy, with love and service, that we would be a good example to those who are outside. And pray, pray specifically, I ask you to pray for the leaders in the church. Pray for the pastor, pray for me, pray for our our volunteer leaders who rise up and who have stepped out in faith and pray for their strength and encouragement. But God, we know your promise. The promise that you would build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail. And while I think of that verse, I think of that promise and the beauty of it, what it means is literally that you will build the people who follow you. Not the building, but the people. And you're going to build up your church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And so God, I thank you for the promise of the power we receive when we are in Christ. Knowing that it's not our power, but it's the power of Jesus working in us. Knowing that it's not our ability, but it's the ability of Jesus working in us. Knowing that you take what is broken, what is decrepit, what is sinful, what is deemed unworthy, and you make it worthy and you make it righteous and you make it perfect. And you help us walk with grace and you help us lead with truth. So God, I pray for our church. I pray specifically that we would be a church that impacts our community in a great way. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, I I don't know how you feel about that. A lot of times when we start talking about prayer and silence, it becomes one of those awkward things, right? I mean, you ever been in a room, two people, and you just sit there and you're like, who's going to break the silence? (laughs) Who's going to be the one that breaks the, 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 the silence with saying any words. And a lot of times I think we feel like we have to talk when the reality is sometimes we just gotta listen. A couple months ago, I don't know, probably back in June, my summer went to heck uh, in reality uh, between breaking a foot, then my daughter breaking her wrist, then Ethan having a poison ivy outbreak, then me getting hit by a car. But in the midst of that, I don't know if you know about this, I got glasses, all right, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those signs of getting older, right? Now, here's the problem. These glasses, well, first of all, let me clarify. Um, My wife told me, you need glasses, at which point I said, are you high? Like, I can see that stuff way across there. I can read the door right now. I'm telling you, I can read the door. It's backwards and everything. I can see that perfectly fine. The problem is right here. 
Like I'm sitting here going, huh, I can't see that so well. So my wife continued to say, you need glasses, at which point I said, no, I don't. She goes, yes, you do. No, I don't. I can see that just fine. Nope, you need glasses. I bet you 10 bucks you need glasses. Nope. So she schedules me an eye appointment. So I go in to get an eye appointment, go in the doctor. He's like, you go up to that. You know what I'm talking about? They do all this stuff. And this is the first time I think I've ever been to the doctor that I ever remember sitting down behind one of those things where they go, how about now? Nope. Okay, that one? Yeah, that's better. And it kept doing worse and worse and worse um, or, or better and better and better. My eyes really aren't that bad. I'm only at a 0.25 um, on this. But I wanted to say something about this because we're jumping into a new series called Vision, all right? And in the midst of talking about vision, I can see stuff far off that seems to be great. I can see it. It's like, oh man, oh, I can see it coming. I know what's coming. But the problem is I can't see the stuff up front in front of me without really either holding close. Matter of fact, the other night we were at a marriage conference and I was trying to write, forgot my glasses, trying to write. I'm looking at my notebook and I'm like, I got to back up here a little bit. And my wife's like, where's your glasses? And I'm like, I know it's just like our son. Where's your glasses? I'm always, always doing that with Ethan. And we're like, where's your glasses? But I want you to think about this. When we start talking about vision, a lot of times we want to know way in the future what's going on. We want to see the far things, but we really have problems seeing the upfront things, all right? And what we have to begin to understand is as we dig into God's word, as we look at what he's saying is there is something in reality that we have to begin to see that we need to see the upfront things in order to get to the far things in the future. We need to see what's closest to us before we can walk into the process of getting to what's farthest away. And so when I say that, I want to begin to think about why we are wanting to see with clarity. A lot of people will say this, and matter of fact, I'm one of those people. You'll say something like this. If I just knew the future, things would be a little bit better. Anybody would sit there and go, heck yeah. Like if I could see two years, three years, five years down the road, I would feel a lot more comfortable about the financial situation we're in, or I'd feel a lot more comfortable about the family situation or struggle we're facing. I would feel a lot more comfortable about my health and things like that, when the reality is what we need to see is we need to see clearly what's going on in front of us so that we can move into the future with those things. And so just like the glasses that, that I use, for example, is we have to begin to understand that when we see the things up close, we'll begin to get to the things that are further away. We'll begin to work in the process and doing that. So you're going to see, matter of fact, I don't know, I hope I made it a little bit difficult for you. Vision looks really blurry, doesn't it? At least to me it does. All right? So, but I want you to think about this. A lot of times when we talk about vision... We talk about what we see, but I want you to understand this. Over the next couple weeks or next month or so, we're going to jump through this whole idea of, of living with clarity and purpose. And, and, and I want you to hear me out when I say this. I believe wholeheartedly it's your desire that you want to live a clear, obedient, faithful life to what Jesus has called you to do. But sometimes we get focused on the things that are going on in the world that we take our minds or our eyes off of what's going on in front of us or maybe what God wants to do with us or in us so that we can make a difference on what's going on around us. And so we have to have clarity of vision in order to walk through uh, the things we go in life. We get so used to living a certain way. Matter of fact, I'll say this. 
When you're around people or things or situations enough, you kind of begin to take those things for granted, don't we? All right, you, you, you take friends for granted or you take a family member for granted. You, you begin to understand that there are things that, that they bring to your life that you don't necessarily always focus on. But then when that person's gone, or maybe when that person is just gone for a little bit, maybe on vacation or your wife goes to Texas for work, you realize how much she does. And you're like, oh my gosh, my life would be a wreck without this individual. So I want you to begin as we do this, as we walk into this sermon series, I want you to understand that God wants us to walk through life with clarity and purpose. And so here's my question today. If you'd be honest with me, I want you to raise your hand to see how many of you would say, I want God to speak to me in a clear, concise way, and I wish he would do it every day. (laughs) Okay. How many of you then, being honest, would say, I feel like God hasn't spoke to me in a long time? You can be honest. All right, good. Thank you. Listen, here's the reason why I want to get into this, this, this sermon series, because I believe wholeheartedly that God wants to speak to us on a daily basis with clarity and with purpose. He wants us to live in a clear understanding. Matter of fact, I told you, like, as I got my glasses, I didn't realize how I needed the glasses till I got my glasses, all right? And then all of a sudden I went, Wow. That's like super clear. Now, here's the problem. When I put on my glasses and look at you, I about want to vomit. I'm sorry. I'm not meaning that in a bad way. (laughs) I just realized I said that. It makes me dizzy. Like, I'm about to puke my guts out when I'm like, I sit back and I'm like, oh my gosh. You guys, it's, it's like, it just, it messes with my eyes so bad because I only need the glasses for the up close things. So here's what I want you to begin to understand. As we look at this, if we were to see far into the future, I think sometimes the reason God protects us and guards us and wants us to understand the clear things up front before we see the future is because it would absolutely make us sick what we potentially could face. Because we would begin to go, God, wait a second, I don't know that I could go through this day because you've already made me aware of what's gonna go on five years from now. I mean, think about it. If you actually knew the day you were gonna die, how would you begin to respond or how would you live? If you actually knew that maybe something tragic was gonna happen to you, what do you do in your life to begin to try and make changes to see something else take place? In other words, okay, hey, maybe down the future, if God revealed it to you, you're gonna be in a car wreck. You're like, I ain't going anywhere. I'm gonna be a recluse. I'm gonna stay away in my house. You see what ends up happening with clarity? If we knew the end game or the bigger picture, we might not continue to walk through life the way God wants us to walk through. So if you have your Bibles, we're gonna be in a few verses, but I wanna read Psalm 119, and I wanna start off with this. So I hope this series is gonna bring more obedience to Jesus, more joy to your life, more fruit in your walk. But listen to Psalm 119, starting in verse 18, and I'm just gonna focus on this, then we're gonna jump to a couple other verses. Listen to what he says. This is what... What, what uh, David is writing, he says, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Here's the reality about what we have to begin to understand. When we approach God in everything that's going on, we need to ask God, God, open 
my eyes so that I can see the wonderful things you have in store for me, what you wanna teach me, what you wanna show me, what I need to correct in my life, what I need to confess in my life. Open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in your law. Here's the beauty of scripture, and this is what I love about it. When, when David unpacks this, what he's saying is this, there is a time in our lives most likely that we are closed off to what God is trying to tell us. If David's saying, dude, you gotta open my eyes. Like, I mean, you ever been there? Maybe your eyes are closed, you're trying to do whatever it is. We went to, uh, to, to Worlds of Fun last week. Uh, while Sarah was gone, I took Ethan and, and uh, Peyton. I had to remember who I took. I took Ethan and Peyton and they decided we wanted to run the, ride the Prowler. Well, as we're riding the Prowler, it decides to kind of lightly mist. Well, we wanted to sit in the front seat, so we're sitting in the front seat. But when the roller coaster starts going and that light mist starts hitting, all of a sudden I got like stabs of things in my eyes. And you're flying through this wooden roller coaster and it's like, and it's like a bunch of little pokey things hitting my eyes. And so the whole ride, I'm like, And I get done and I look at Peyton. I'm like, oh, I couldn't see the whole thing. She's like, I was fine because she was down here by the car. And the guy behind me who was behind Peyton was like, oh, heck yeah, man, in my eyes, I couldn't even see the whole ride because Peyton wasn't eating all the water for everybody else like I was. I mean, it was like, just laid me out. But listen, listen again what he says. Open my eyes that I may see, listen, wonderful things in your law. In order to understand clarity or in order to have clarity in our lives, then we want to approach God with this idea. God, open my eyes that I can see the wonderful things in your word, that you would show me what it is you want from me, that you would show me how it is that I should live, that you would show me how it is that I should respond to those who are far from Jesus. How do I serve those? How do I love those? How do I work for your glory? How do I approach all of those things? When you open my eyes and show show me the wonderful things, then life is going to make sense. This is one of the struggles I oftentimes feel. So I was, I was kind of expressing some frustration earlier today with some guys and, and, and a lot of people go, well, I don't understand what the heck's going on in this world. People are hateful. They're rude. They're inconsiderate. If you're of a bit different political persuasion, we seem to hate each other for some reason. I have no clue why. We don't want to work together at all. We just want to bash people. I, and, and over and over and over again, we begin to see this selfishness that we've talked about a little bit with Titus rise up. And what I want you to understand is the Bible said it was going to happen. And what we have to begin to do is look into God's word, look into it and say, God, open my eyes so I can see the wonderful things. Because the reality is all of the stuff that's going on around us may not be that wonderful. It may be brutal, it may be treacherous, it may be conceited, it may be broken, it may be sinful. It's all of those things and we don't see the wonderful things. But he says, listen, open my eyes so that I can see the wonderful things. And then, but it's the wonderful things in the law. So here's what I wanna do. I want you to remember this, when our heart is focused intently on Jesus and his word, we will see clearly and live with godly purpose. So that's the big idea. If you remember anything, remember that. When our heart is focused intently on Jesus and his word, we will see clearly and live with godly purpose. 
purpose. So when I ask that question about, are you living with godly purpose? Are you living in obedience to Jesus? Is your heart focused on Jesus? Because that's the whole point of everything that goes on in our life. When my heart is focused intently on Jesus and intently on his word, then I'm gonna see clearly and I'm gonna live with purpose in my life. Because that's the point of what scripture lays out. All throughout scripture, we have a consistent theme that runs through it. We have this consistent tie. Whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, it's all pointing to the future Christ. Well, Old Testament is pointing to the future of Christ. New Testament is pointing Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, and then his death, burial, and resurrection. So we begin to see this common tie throughout. So if that, when our heart is focused intently on Jesus' word, we will see clearly and live with godly purpose. If that's the main idea, here's the question I wanna ask. How do I live with clarity and purpose in my life? How do I live with clarity and purpose in my life? I told you we're gonna jump to a a few other verses, but I'm gonna be very succinct on this. If you flip over to Luke 24, Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 13 through 32. I'm gonna tell you the story. We're not gonna read all of it, but I'm gonna tell you the story about two guys who were walking on the road to Emmaus, all right? And while they're walking on the road, lo and behold, Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has rose again. People are talking about this resurrection. And these two guys, they're walking alongside the road and they're talking and discussing all kinds of things. And then Jesus, it says, came up and walked along with them but they didn't know it. I mean, maybe you're in that situation in life that maybe there's times that Jesus is walking right beside you and you're completely oblivious. That he's guarding you, he's protecting you, maybe he's giving you wisdom as you're walking through things. But listen, they are walking along and they have no clue. And then it says, he asked them, what are you guys talking about? What are you dis- discussing together as you walk along? I mean, these are the disciples. These are people who were with Jesus day in and day out for three years. These disciples are walking along the road. Jesus has been crucified. They're flipping about, out about everything. Matter of fact, it, it says they stood still, their faces downcast. Listen, they're depressed, they're struggling. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you, are you only a visitor of Jerusalem? In other words, bro, where have you been? Like, did you not hear what happened? They just crucified the guy, Jesus, the, the, the potential Messiah that we thought. Where have you been? Have you been hiding under a rock? It's kind of like watching news. If you don't watch news and something comes up and you're like, oh, I didn't know that. People are like, where have you been, dude? Jesus is like literally questioned, where are you at? And says, do you not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus says, what things? And so they go on and tell the story about Jesus of Nazareth. They replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and the people, the chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped, listen to this, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. Some of the, in addition, some of the women amazed us and they went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. So there's still a question. Jesus is walking right beside him. They're talking with him and they still don't see the clarity in their eyes to see what's going on. And so what we have to begin to see when our heart is focused intently on Jesus and his word, we'll see with clarity. We'll see clearly. But number one is this. How do I live with clarity and purpose? I follow Jesus even when I don't see him. I follow Jesus at all times and in every way, even when I don't see him. 
Listen, one of the hardest struggles about being a Christian is this. The reality is we may not see him. But I can promise you that you're gonna see him work. It may be in his time. It may be in his way. But listen, we follow him even when we don't see him. And when I follow him, even when I don't see him, what I'm saying is I trust you even though I don't know what's going to happen. These guys weren't necessarily following him at that time. They're like, oh, hey, what's going on? And then he says to him in verse 25, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. And then listen to this, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened scripture to us? See, Jesus reveals the truth of the gospel first and foremost by revealing to them or teaching them or using the Old Testament. But I want you to understand this, that all throughout God's word is this thread that ties everything together. And the gospel, the good news was proclaimed in the New Testament. It's fulfilled in the, or proclaimed in the Old Testament. It's fulfilled in the New Testament. And their eyes were opened all of a sudden and they saw with clarity. So this idea of following Jesus, even when you don't see him, is something that we have to begin to understand. And what I'll even go a little bit farther is this. Sometimes we have to follow Jesus even when we don't hear him. And listen, that's one of the greatest struggles. I, I, was, I was telling somebody not too long ago um, about when my dad was, was getting really sick. And my dad had said, hey, I want you to come back and I want you to take over the shop. And I've never shared this with you guys. I don't think so. But I remember my dad saying, I want you to come and take over the shop. And I remember locking myself literally in our basement. And for weeks on end, just reading and praying, reading and praying, reading and praying, reading and praying, and not getting a release at all. And what I meant by that, by that is not getting a release from here. Because in my heart, I'm going, I'm, I'm out, I'm done, it's over, I need to go back, I need to take care of my dad, I'm, oh, it's over, it's over, never getting anything. And the reality was, the reason I wasn't getting what I wanted is because that's not what God had. I was looking for God to say, yeah, okay, fine, go, leave. That would be my out, I'm up, I'm out, I'm going, I'm gone back to Wyoming, I'm gonna take care of my dad, everything's good. For weeks, and I remember telling Sarah, I don't know what to do. I don't feel like God's talking. I don't feel like God's listening. I don't feel like I'm hearing. I don't know what's going on. And that was, a week, that was weeks on end. And my, my wife will tell you, I didn't sleep. I didn't really do very well. It was just a torturous time. But what I want you to understand is that over time, God revealed it to me. He made things very clear, but it took time. It wasn't something that was like, oh, hey, boom, this is what I want you to do. I knew what God had called me to do. I knew that I stayed obedient to the call until he released me from the call. But I knew point blank that God was saying, no, not right now. Now that, that, that no, not right now was later because I'm telling you, I was down in the basement. God, you've got to do something. You got to talk. 
What I had to learn was this, that I have to follow Jesus even when I don't see him and even when he stays silent. This is the greatest encouragement for me in my life was that I don't always have to have the answers, but I can still walk in obedience. So how do I live with clarity and purpose? I follow Jesus even when I don't see him. Number two, that I look to his word as a map for life. When uh, my dad and I were hunting, oh man, it's probably like 2014, we got a six by six bull elk. We were about 2.8 miles from the cabin. And I may or may not have shared this, but the night we were coming back from getting that elk, we got the elk, it was, it was cooling down. We had to get up in there. There's no way we can carry out like a 450, 500 pounds worth of meat in, in like an hour and a half. So we got the elk processed. We get it hung up in a tree so the bears and mountain lions can't get to it. And we start to hike back. The only problem was we got to the top of this hill that's still 1.8, I say hill, mountain. We got to the top of this mountain that's 1.8 miles from our cabin. It is dark. And we got these little headlamps that really look really bright until you're in really, really dark woods. And then you realize, I don't see squat. I got like about 15 feet in front of me and that's it. And so we're walking and, and, and I'm the kind, I've, I've lived up there, I've grew up up there since 1981, love it, know it, I can walk almost anywhere and not get lost, I'm, if, you know, it's just the way it is. Anyways, we're coming down and I am turned around. We dropped off into this wrong canyon, we end up in this deep crevice of a canyon, it's nasty, we're trying to fight through it, we come out of the canyon, I can't figure out where the heck we're at, the GPS that my dad had, the battery was dead, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what the heck's gonna go on? And about that time, off in the distance, probably I would say a good quarter to half mile, a light turns on. And it was like, hey, there's our cabin. And my uncle had got back and turned on the light and the mini blinds and everything were open in the cabin. I went, there's the cabin. We had overshot the cabin by a half mile because we got down in the wrong canyon and I came off the wrong area and I didn't see. And what I want you to understand that when I look to his word as a map to life, that he's going to reveal what he wants me to do. Listen to Psalm 119 verse, uh, <clears throat> sorry, let me flip over there. I wanna make sure I get this right. But Psalm 119, love Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? Starting in verse nine, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Here's the reality when it comes to walking with clarity. In order to walk to the light, you have to be taking in or understand, number one, that we were all trapped in darkness. But number two, you have to look to the light himself. Matter of fact, the Bible says, God is light, in him there's no darkness. And so when we're walking around in darkness trying to find our way around out of a certain situation, when the light comes on, we walk to the light. And listen again what he says in Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And over and over and over again through scripture. And matter of fact, I would even encourage you, if you're, if you're wanting to read or get a little bit deep, I would encourage you that this week, read through Psalm 119. Because Psalm 119, I think, opens up the floodgates of what it means to walk in obedience to God, what it means to take in his word. If you, read, if you were to read through 119, you're gonna be challenged and understand that you're gonna face difficult times, but David would run to God's word. David would use the word as a map 
for his life. And that's what we have to begin to understand, that God's word is a map. But you also have to understand that God's word is a light at my feet. And when I think about that, I have to understand that it's only going to be the things at my feet that I may see. And so in order to walk with clarity, in order to, ha- to have a life with clarity and purpose, I have to begin to understand that I have to look to his word for, as a map for life. And I wanna put yourself to the test. I want you to put yourself to the test by looking at things through the lens God has given us. We always say this, matter of fact, if you were to take any Bible courses in seminary, we would always say that people approach God's word usually with rose-colored glasses, all right? or with the colored glasses that, that you maybe grew up in. If you grew up in an atheist home that was very violent and very aggressive toward scripture or towards God, you're gonna approach reading scripture with a very violent and aggressive nature. If you were raised in a home that said, this is God's word, it's infallible, it's inerrant, you're, you're gonna approach things with that way. But I also want you to understand this, because here's one of the problems we have even in the politics in today's world. We sometimes try and approach reading the Bible through an American lens. When the reality is, as much as I love America and as much as I love the freedoms, there's no mention of American scripture, but we wanna look at scripture through an American lens and we begin to read scripture from that standpoint. And what we have to understand is that we need to look at everything, not through the lens of the American flag, even though, like I said, I love it, not through the lens of the way we were raised, but we look at everything through the lens of scripture. So just like my glasses, when I put my glasses on, when I look at every situation and circumstance in our culture, I should look at every situation, every circumstance, everything I go through, marriage, finances, struggles, politics, everything should be based upon what I read in scripture. And so we look through this, so there we go. Look really stupid, don't I? All right, but this is the idea that I would look through God's word at everything else around me. So when times get tough, I go to God's word and I see, oh, hey, you know what? I know that times are gonna be tough. It's a promise in God's word, but God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. When I get into a time of worry and stress and anxiety, I can sit there and go, man, this worry and stress and anxiety is gonna overwhelm me. Or I look at it through the lens of scripture and God says, don't worry. Why? Because I'm gonna take care of you. Don't worry because look at the lilies of the field and the birds there. Do I not take care of them? And how much more do I love you than them that I will not take care of you? Marriage, I look at marriage through the lens of scripture. Now I know this is gonna push some buttons for some people, but you have to get past what you think and feel and you have to begin to say, I have to look at marriage from the lens of scripture. I have to look at the way I treat my wife from the lens of scripture. I have to look at the way I treat my kids from the lens of scripture. I have to look at the way I work from the lens of scripture. Matter of fact, the Bible says, whatever your hands and feet find to do, do it all for the glory of God. That doesn't mean just when we're playing worship music on Sunday morning. That means when I talk to my neighbor, when I change oil on somebody's car, when I'm serving a customer at a restaurant, all of those things are done for God's glory in my life. So I have to look to his word as a map for my life. Why? Because that's the most important thing. And in that, I also want to look at everything through the lens of scripture. Listen Listen to this, and this is a quote by a pastor friend that, that read this, or that I, I, I know, that, and I wanna read it to you. He says this, all right? Look out, 
I'm gonna, I'm challenge you with God's word here in a little bit, but he says, look out when you start something new, such as reading the Bible or planning a mission trip, starting a new ministry, establishing a regular quiet time because Satan hates good spiritual beginnings. Once we know God's will and to decide to do it, you better expect opposition. And here's one of the things I am encouraged by and yet discouraged by. When we begin to face opposition as individuals and as a church, we know that we're on the right track. So there's the encouragement because in the discouragement of the attack, we can be encouraged to know, hey, we're doing the right thing. But the discouragement also comes in this, that when I see Satan at work in people's lives, when I see Satan trying to create disunity and conflict, when I see Satan trying to cast doubt on people's integrity, when I see Satan trying to work underhandedly in a way that says, I'm gonna make sure that I can upset the church. I wanna get the church off mission. I wanna make sure that the church has conflict. Remember the Bible verse where it says, a house divided against itself will never prosper. We have to begin to understand that when we're doing the right thing, we're going to face opposition position. And so there's encouragement with that in the fact that you can say, hey, we're doing the right thing. There's discouragement in the fact that, hey, we would need to maintain and stay on guard because if we don't stay on guard, we're going to fall prey to Satan's schemes. So how do I live with clarity and purpose in my life? I look to his word as a map. Matter of fact, James chapter 1 says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but rather do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he's like. Think about that. Nope, forgot. I mean, how stupid does that look? But that's what ends up happening when we do this. But listen to verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Here's the call to do scripture, to live scripture out, to be obedient to what he says to do. So we have to understand that we look to his map or we look to his word as a map for life. And number three, how do I live with clarity and purpose in my life? I believe that this is huge. It's vital. It's important. We have to begin to understand what happens. Romans chapter 12, we have to be a sacrifice for God. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse one, says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, I have to clarify because here's one of those things I understand, and we have to, we have to understand, sorry, we have to understand this, that when he says, I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Back in the Old Testament days, when they sacrificed something, how many things were sacrificed alive? Everything at the start. But once the sacrifice was offered on the altar, how many sacrifices did anything? They didn't. They didn't complain, they didn't talk, they didn't bad, they didn't do any of that stuff. And so when we start offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, what we have to understand is we can't complain. God, here I am, I offer my body as a living sacrifice, but dadgummit, you just screwed everything up. Being a sacrifice to God means I lay all my desires, all my emotions, and everything on the altar. 
and I sacrifice my life. The life I live, I no longer live for myself, but I live for the Son of God who bought me, who purchased me, who redeemed me with his blood on the cross. So how do I live with clarity and purpose in my life? I have to be a sacrifice to God. I am sacrificing myself to the Lord to be used however he wants to use me. Now here's the big struggle with that. When we say however, a lot of times we'll say however with conditions. <laughs> we're, we're having a, matter of fact, this week I got to spend a lot of time uh, with, with some church planters. On Wednesday and Thursday, we assessed 12 church planters who are gonna be planting churches in the area, Nebraska, Missouri, St. Louis, Kansas City, um, some out in Ohio. Great time, great opportunity. And we got into some discussions with some of the other pastors, some of the guys who work uh, or I work alongside with uh, with the North American Mission Board. And, you know, we've, we've got two options as a pastor. Sometimes as pastors get together, you look at another guy and you're like, well, they got a church of 350. I can preach better than him. Our people are nicer. Our worship team's way better. What the heck? And there becomes, to a certain extent, for some people, a bitterness. There's a resentment or maybe a jealousy. And what I've learned over time is you can't, if you're gonna go down that road, you're always gonna be a failure because there's gonna be a, another level. You're gonna, you're gonna be the church of 300 that's gonna look at the church of 600 and go, what the heck? And then the 600 guys look at the church of 1,000 going, what the, what did I do that, that I get the 600 when he's got 1,000? What you have to begin to understand is that when I offer my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, it's up to God at that point what he does with my life. All that matters is that I'm obedient. If I'm obedient to what he's called me to do, if that means, listen to me, if that means that we see what we're seeing overseas with the amount of Christians who are being persecuted in China and Iran and Iraq and different things like that, how can we sit back and go, well, I just think I deserve a church of 300 when they're sitting there going, I just am willing to lay my life on the line for Jesus. Be a sacrifice to God means that I lay aside my desires, my preferences, and I say, God, whatever it is you have for me, do it. Here's how I want to wrap up, just very simply. Our purpose in life is the very meaning in existence, and without knowing it, we will suffer from ignorance, but we, and we fall prey to the illusion that our lives don't matter, that we have no connection and no impact on the world around us. But what I want you to understand is this, that when our heart is focused intently on Jesus and his word, we will see clearly and live with godly purpose. And when I talk about being a sacrifice, it's this idea that you're living with a godly purpose. I wanna wrap up with this very simply, because I think it is something that we have to begin to understand. There is an action step maybe some need to take today. Number one is salvation. And I want to read just in a simple way. I want to explain something I think is so simple. John chapter three, verse 16. God, the greatest, so loved the greatest depth, the world, the greatest scope that he gave the greatest action. His only begotten son, the greatest gift that whosoever, the greatest invitation, believes the greatest simplicity in him, the greatest truth should not perish. That would be the worst outcome or the greatest outcome, but have eternal life, the greatest promise. So maybe your action step today is salvation by putting your faith and trust in Jesus because Jesus' death on the cross is the only thing that gets you there. Number two is this. I believe wholeheartedly that maybe there's a commitment that you need to make to seek Jesus daily. 
to long for, to chase after, to follow, to, to follow Jesus even when you don't see him. And here's what I just wanna simply encourage you. On your way out, you can grab the F-260 reading plan. We've tried to encourage you to get involved in that. One chapter a day, begin to journal. We've got all the information you need back there, but begin to dig into God's word and seeking Jesus daily. Number three, maybe you need to work out a problem with someone, something, or confess some sin in your life to Jesus. And here's what I want to do. I just want to open up here in a little bit, just a time for you to pray. Up here, you can grab your husband, grab your wife, grab a person that you want to pray with and just say, hey, would you pray with me? And then number four is this, that when you desire to connect with Jesus, I believe one of the, the best things you could ever do is to connect with the church. And in joining the church and becoming a, a member, when you say that, what we do here at our church is we, we ask you to be a part of a class just so you understand what you're getting into and so that we can con- communicate really what we expect of members, all right? And it's not an unbiblical expectation. I hope you hear this out. It's not a legalistic expectation. But what I wanna encourage you is this. If you are interested in membership to say, hey, I wanna be a member, all right? You can make that publicly known today by letting the church know you're not a member until you go through the class. It's just very simple as that. But we wanna open up those opportunities today. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray. We're gonna have the band come in uh, and we're gonna do an invitation song. We're gonna do something just a little bit different. Um, We're doing this invitation song. After the invitation song, we're going to offering. Um, During offering, we're gonna encourage you to sit. They're gonna play. And we're gonna close with a chorus at the end or with with, uh, victory in Jesus' dance. We wanna encourage you out. Let me pray over you and then we'll uh, we'll go. Father, we know today that you have great things in store for your people. And God, one of the hardest things to do is to follow you when we don't see you. When we don't see you at work necessarily in the world around us. When we see the pain and the struggle and the misfortune, the hatred, the violence, we, we can begin to, to doubt, we can begin to be discouraged. But God, I pray just very simply that we would see you. God, that we would look intently into your word, that you would open our eyes to see your wonderful deeds, the wonderful works in your law. God, would you draw us closer? May we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ because that's what you've called us to do. So Father, today we offer our lives. I I pray, and, and I pray that just maybe somebody here today, maybe they've never offered their life as a living sacrifice. They've never given their life to Jesus. They've never confessed their sins. They've never uh, uh, put their faith and trust in him. Maybe today is their first time to say, I wanna offer my life as a living sacrifice. If that's you, as we wrap up with this prayer, I wanna invite you to just come talk with me. I would love to talk with you about it, but we're gonna wrap this up. We're gonna stand Together as a congregation, we're gonna close with this song. Father, again, use us in a great way. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.